Hey everyone, before we start the show, a quick word from our sponsor, the American Nurse Association. This is a professional community that, that has helped us both when we were nursing students and now professional nurses. It has a ton of great resources and use for all nursing professionals. Listen up nurses and nursing students, summer is here and summer is a perfect time for you to brush by your nursing skills. And that is exactly why the American Nurses Association is offering 25% off their courses, workshops, books, and their whole website. Use code SUMMERSALE21 at checkout for your discount. Go to nursingworld.org to get all the latest information there or click the link in the description to find out about the sale. Don't forget, sale ends September 6th. You don't want to miss out. Happy studying. Hey everyone, welcome to another Couple of Nurses episode with your hosts, Peter and Matt. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you find any value in this podcast, please give us a like, comment, hit the five stars. It motivates us, it ranks us higher on the algorithm, and we keep on producing this high quality content. For anything related to Couple of Nurses, below the show notes, you'll find some links for couplenurses.com, wearefrontlinewarriors.com, and of course the Facebook groups that are blowing up. How are you doing today, Pete? I'm doing great, man. A special interview today. We are here with Tina Vincent. She is the host of the Good Nurse, Bad Nurse podcast. She's also a travel nurse, CVIC nurse, and also pursuing her master's in nursing. We talk about professionalism in nursing. We talk about the STEM professions, and we talk a little bit about our lives and our future pursuits. Let's do it. Well, thank you, Tina. Welcome to our show, the Couple Nurses Show. Uh, we get started. I know you're a travel nurse, right? Are you currently doing travel nursing? You're also pursuing your master's degree? Yes, I both. I'm doing travel nursing. And I'm in a little rural hospital in Middle Tennessee right now. And I'm, yeah, I'm studying to get my master's as well, very slowly. Okay, wonderful. The only place I've been to Tennessee is I've been to Nashville, Tennessee, and I've also been to Pigeon Forge. I used to have neighbors uh, in the south suburbs of Chicago that own property at Pigeon Forge. I used to go there like every couple of years. It was, it was always so nice, but I know there was a fire there a few years ago, I want to say, and it mm-hmm. burned down a lot of the cabins. So I'm not sure how the fire situation is, is in Tennessee now, but I know a couple years ago it was, it was pretty bad. It was bad. It was sad. It's, mm-hmm. it's not far from where I live, maybe an hour, a little less than maybe 50 minutes. So we go to Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and that whole area a few times, a, a couple times a year. Yeah. Um, in the off season when it's not the touristy time because it's so the traffic is so horrible but that's where i live and nashville is about um because i live in knoxville okay. so Na- nashville is about three hours west of here mm-hmm. livingston is actually kind of halfway in between here in nashville it's about an hour and a half from my house um that's where i am it's it's a couple of hours from nashville so it's it's very very rural as, as a travel nurse currently, are you actually driving outside of the 50 mile radius and you have a different um, tax home or are you still currently living where you where your permanent address is? I this is my tax home where I live um, in Knoxville. It's it's it is uh, well over 50 miles. Um, so I do get the stipend. I. I still have to pay taxes, um, sort of. Sometimes I stay. I spend the night in a hotel, so you know it can get a little in the weeds with the yeah. with the tax situation. <laughs> yeah, for sure, traveling nurse life. How have you been doing it for? This is actually my first assignment because oh, I've been working time. at UT for almost six years. What made you like transition to travel nursing? Well, for one thing, uh, the company that I work for, Trusted Health, they have sponsored our podcast for the past couple of years. And so naturally, you know, talking, I've been talking about it on my podcast, for, you know, and, and it, is, it does sound exciting. And, and then I've been meeting people because as I talk about it on the show, then people will email me about it, reach out, you know, and to let me know how it's going. And, and my friends have used them. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to try it. So yeah. I, thought I, I thought it would get, stay close to home. I didn't want to go too far. <laughs> yeah. It's a little refreshing talking to a, like a new travel nurse. Have you noticed any kind of like changes or any, any takeaways from the jump from staff to travel? Well, so when you, yeah, when you, 
and I don't know, it's probably different at different hospitals, but I think it's probably pretty that much the same with mm -hmm. most people's experiences. When I started working at this little hospital, it was literally just hit the ground running. There was no orientation. It Jeez. was just, I mean, I followed a nurse for a couple of days, um, but really there, there was no, like, here's a class of how to do this charting system that you've never seen before. And here's where everything is. It was just, you know, you follow this one nurse for a couple of days and then it's, you're on your own. And right. that, that's a, yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I see, I see you're, you're laughing and smirking and it's so, it's so wild because at first you, you get so culture shocked because you're used to a orientation and there's a nurse that shows you around and here's this, here's a supply room. And sometimes in your situation, maybe it was a contract that needed somebody that a short staff. You just, just like you say, hit the road, you know, ground and mm -hmm. running. Yeah, looking back at our passing orientation, what do we have? We had three days. The first day was like an in-class kind of thing, looking over your EKG rhythms and, and all that kind of paperwork. Second day was on unit. And then the third day was in orientation. We just started it right off the bat. So we were told like two or three days of orientation, but we only really got one. But, you know, it's it's not, you get, you get used to it. You know, we've done a few contacts already, so you kind of already know what to expect. And, you know, you've, you have that nursing background. I'm not 100% sure what your clinical background is. I think you said CVICU. But man, and I both did ICU, so it wasn't too hard to just kind of jump right into it. Yeah. Yeah. And have you always done CVICU or did you transition to CVICU? And do you I currently do CVICU? I started out at uh, on a progressive care unit. So I work at a level one trauma center here at the University of Tennessee um, in Knoxville. And so I started out on the PCU, which is a step down um, unit that can literally see almost any kind of patient that just have, you know, they might be a trauma patient or a neuro patient or a cardiac patient, but they're not respiratory wise, they're not really ready to be on their regular step down floor. So they would be on PCU. It's a three to one ratio. It's a very difficult floor. I worked there for four and a half years. I was a team leader and I really enjoyed it, but I reached a point that I was kind of wanting a different, a new challenge, you know, mm -hmm. learn something new. And so I transferred to CVICU and was there for about a year and a half. I was there. You have to be there for a while before they allow you to be heart trained when you, for, for you to be able to take open hearts. And so I was, I got heart trained at the beginning of the year. And then I kind of had been trained in, in all specialties other than ECMO. Okay. Um, but, and then I just, I thought, okay, I guess I could do this. The little hospital where I'm at now is, um, it has a six bed ICU. So I am in I, many times, most times I'm in there by myself. It's just me. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really, so it's a different environment. It's just so, it's very, very different. You have to, a, a travel nurse told me before I went, when I told, told her the, um, the assignment, she said, I love the little hospital assignments. She said, I've always loved them, but she said, you do have to get creative. Mm -hmm. And I, and I kind of see, you know, it's just a different atmosphere. It's, it's very, uh, you know, at a, at a large teaching institution, that's a magnet institution. Nurses are treated with a lot of respect and we have a voice there where we have, um, shared governance. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of nursing councils and it's, it's definitely, you know, there's a lot of autonomy at, at UT. So when you leave there and you go to this little hospital where, it's just a different environment, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, for, it's one that we for sure know, notice as well. And plus you're a traveler, so you don't really know a lot of people there and you don't really know how, how they have their, their system set up where it's like, you know, who, who do you talk to if you have an issue? Do I talk to my chargers or do I talk to the, the ACM? You're not really sure how, how, that, how that works. Like they share governance and stuff as, as well. And, but I have one more question regarding your experience. Have you, because you said you went from a PCU to a CVICU, is a temperament and a personality of CAVICUs like true to the rumors? <laughs> so Instagram is just notorious for being uh, brutal to CVICU <laughs> nurses. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. I didn't get to laugh about this before I moved to CV. It would have been hilarious, which is still funny. But um, it, it's so the unit where I work uh, at UT and I'm still PR in there. Mm. Um, it's a 24 bed unit. It's a large unit and it is a very challenging place to work. And I think there is a lot of humility, honestly. I think everyone respects the, 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 what they have to do there and what's, and also I, I, 
a lot of us get floated to the other units. We get floated to trauma unit. We get floated to the neuro ugh, unit. <laughs> yeah, same. same. Neuro is <laughs> the, always a pain. <laughs> the medical unit, you know, which is become COVID, mm. the COVID unit, which we're not supposed to call it that, but right. you know, that's kind of what it is. Mm. Um, so you kind of get a respect for everybody. And, and, and being floated all over the hospital, I think that helped prepare me for travel nursing because travel nursing is sort of like get the ultimate float, <laughs> you know, cause most people don't like getting floated, you know, in the hospital. They, but I got, I, I did it so much that I, I, I was like, actually, I like it. It's kind of a, a break from the stress yeah. of my floor. Hmm. I get to meet new people and, and I, I learned to enjoy it. So that's a, I think that gave me a little more, you know, courage to be able to, to do travel nursing. Right. And you have your, wider uh, experience in ICU and all that. So a lot of new grads ask us whether it's okay to start off right away into the ICU and get accepted. What are your thoughts about that? A hundred percent. I think that, uh, that is, I, I, I don't, I always like to be, you know, diplomatic. I don't like to offend anyone. Everybody has a right <laughs> to their opinion. I really yes. do believe that. Um, and so I don't like to, sh you know, shut someone down because of whatever their opinion is. Um, but I, I firmly believe that they're very capable, very driven nurses who can handle being put to that fire and, and rise to the challenge. But I've seen it too many times. I know they can. So mm -hmm. it's, I, I know that it's possible because I've seen it and, and fully capable. I don't mean that they shouldn't be there and that mm -hmm. lives are at risk. And, now, I will say this, and I always tell people this, new grads, if you're going to do that, be sure you go somewhere where they're going to give you an adequate orientation and they're not going to kick you out of the nest if you're not comfortable. So you have to go somewhere where you're going to be protected because if you're going to go to some hospital where they throw you in the ICU and you get, you know, a few weeks of orientation and they expect you to, no, you can't do that. That is dangerous for you and the patient. But if you go somewhere that gives you six like they do at ut six months of orientation i i think wow. you can handle it i really yeah. do 100 yeah i think six months is a great time especially yeah. for the for the icu side yeah i got three months of my of my orientation which which was i think was enough too yeah we always tell nurses to always always aim to get a nursing position in a unit that you want to work in all like professors and all the teachers always said hey start at med surge but i kind of I'm, i don't follow that route like I didn't follow that route. I don't think anybody really should. I think you should go into the job that you wanted in nursing school, right? So you actually get a feel for it because sometimes, you know, nurses join MedSurge or they hop in a unit just, just to just to get that job and they kind of get stuck there and they don't like the unit and they're, they're miserable. Now they got to do three months of orientation and then they have to stay there for like a year. Especially some of my friends, they committed to to like a random unit that they just wanted. They just wanted to really get a job. So they committed to a random unit and that unit offered a bonus well, that bonus was like, hey, you guys stay here for two years. And nurses fall into this trap of working in this unit that they didn't want just because they got offered this, this bonus and then they're stuck there for two years because if they leave, they got to pay it back. And nobody wants to pay back that bonus. Yeah, so every time somebody asks, we, we always say, hey, just pursue what you want to pursue. Don't waste your time if you're if into something that you're not going to want to do long-term. Yeah, and, and you make a very, just to piggyback off this, you make a good point because I've started at MedSurge and same thing after eight months into my med surge career, I just, it became very tasky for me. I knew I, I was craving more. I was craving the information, the labs and putting the picture together of how to troubleshoot and take care of this patient, which it didn't give me enough um, sat job satisfaction working med surge. Right. And we're not talking down on med surge or anything like that. Like I can't, I can't do med surge. Like if I get floated to med surge, I, I'm always behind like whoever do whoever does metrics as a nurse, like it's props to you. I can't do I can't handle that much patients. Yeah. If I get three patients, if I get more than two or three patients, like I'm lost, especially if they're walking, talking, moving around, wanting something like I don't know what to do. I like my patients, you know, sedated, intubated. So forever who does metric like props because it's so it's hard. Yeah. I, to me, it's harder than ICU you know, on like a nursing perspective for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. And that goes into the, the nursing degree, correct? So I know the federal government is not considering us a STEM, right? And that's that's a topic that I know you had some interest in, and I would love to chat more about that because as a nurse, we are involved in science more than ever. And I think compared to other professions, sometimes we're on the front line troubleshooting medications, and it's almost like a science experiment at mm -hmm. work. 
as crazy as that sounds, but we're sometimes we don't know how to treat patients like COVID and we have to just keep continuing doing things, uh, different treat, treatment modalities, even uh, proning patients. We have to come up with the, the algorithm in a way and how to properly prone mm -hmm. patients, the devices, the equipment, the staff that's needed. So what are your thoughts about that? That the federal government hasn't considered us a STEM. Yeah. So, uh, boys, this is a soapbox for me. I get off on this sometimes. I get on what, what I call Tina tangents sometimes on, the, <laughs> on my podcast. And so, you know, my podcast is more storytelling and, and then I'll, something like this comes up and I just cannot stop myself. <laughs> uh, but when I came across this one day, uh, I found an article that, that basically was just, I, it was written by a nurse and, and the nurse was saying, you know, that, it's not right that that the nursing profession or the nursing degree is not considered STEM. And I just went, what? That's ridiculous. Of course it's STEM. It, that's that. How can that even be an opinion? That's not an opinion. It's a fact. There's a, you know, it's science. It's literally in the degree. So I did, it was really confusing and that I, I researched it and I actually sent you, I wish I had sent this to you earlier. I didn't think to send it to you until just a little bit ago. So you probably haven't seen it, but there's a list, an official list that's kept by the Department of Homeland Security, which is weird. Um, but it's all of the degrees that are considered STEM. And yeah, you can do the control F to, to do find on the page and just start typing in nurse. I dare you. You're not going to find it'll start beeping at you because it's not there. They're, they're, nursing is not considered STEM as far as the United States federal government is concerned. And that affects us because there is Federal, there are federal grants that are given to universities for STEM degrees, you know, for it, for uh, degrees that are considered STEM. And there are also other implications as well. So it, but just the, it, just the fact that it is, it is a science, but it's not recognized. It just sort of explains a lot, doesn't it? About how mm -hmm. we're treated and um, the lack of respect, the lack of pay and, I think that we have a long way to go. And that's, a, I think, I feel like it's a good place to start educating people about that and maybe doing something to get that changed. Yeah, hundred percent. Cause nursing school isn't cheap. And if you could help somebody get some of this, you know, federal grant money, it will be, it'll be like super beneficial for, for everybody, especially those low income people. And I was kind of thinking about like, why is not nursing like a STEM or why hasn't it been, been like implemented in there? And like the only thing that I could kind of think of is, is basically the way I see it is because, nursing has been a very female dominant not to bring sexism into this or anything like that but nursing has been a predominantly female dominant career for a long period of time right and, and still is nothing wrong with that and i feel like careers that are majority female kind of get put on a on a back burner or kind of people don't really consider them them i don't want to say important but you know how, how things were back in the day where women didn't have as much rights as men, the, the, the whole thing, the whole push for, for women's rights and all that. I think this is still lagging, lagging with, with that. That's my opinion. And, it, and it, as well as nursing has been viewed as less of a profession and more of like taking care of people. A lot of people still view nursing as not as professional. A lot of people view it just as almost, almost like a caretaker, but it's not what, what it really is about. I think the general public is not, they're not quite... They don't see the big picture of what we do as nurses. They think it's probably something just like you say, like a caregiver position, but we're doing so much, whether it's uh, pharmaceutical medications we're giving out, administering things, diluting medications, mixing them, figuring out what parameters we should be giving a medication because it could tank somebody's blood pressure. Yeah. We're doing so much science and to be not consider that, that's, yeah, that's very baffling. Yeah. Like school-wise, so, what do we take? We take microbio, we take, you know, anatomy and physiology twice. And plus all the other prerequisites that, that we got to take, you know, it's, it's literally all science. So I'm like, I was trying to figure out why isn't this still not a STEM and I can't really figure it out. I'm not sure if it's like a monetary issue. I'm not sure if there's like a, some kind of a governing body that is not pushing for nursing to be a STEM because maybe some regulations or maybe there's going to have to pay out something. I don't know. I couldn't really figure it out. The only thing that makes sense to me was, was a, because it's been a female dominant career and female dominant careers usually take longer to kind of normalize into these kind of things. And, that's basically it, you know. Yeah, I can't. I can't really think of like any any really valid reason of why this is not a STEM. Well, I think for one thing that nurses get in, we get in our own way, um, and we have for a long time. So, are you familiar with Nanda? 
the nursing and diagnosis that, handbook. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? <laughs> Have you ever looked through some of the nursing diagnoses? I mean, do any of them sound scientific to you? Have you ever heard of altered energy field and all of this nonsense that's in that book? I'm sorry, but I know that's probably controversial, but it's just that some, like I said, sometimes I think we get in our own way and we don't have to have all of those complicated overwritten nursing diagnoses that don't that you have to sit there and read over and over again i was trying to read them to my husband the other day i was like <laughs> because where am i i'm in school trying to get my master's degree so i'm back in nanda he double hockey sticks again and so <laughs> i'm just going oh it's so frustrating because this isn't what we do this is not what we do i don't sit there thinking about someone's energy field when I'm, I don't know it's I I think that there needs to be an overhaul for the whole profession and um I don't know we're gonna have to start I, I, rebuilding from the ground up yeah we have to right it's gotta change somewhere you, you, know? you make a good point because even last year during the whole pandemic we were flagged as here heroes and we're the poster child for the great war that we're fighting right yet nothing really changed when it comes to hospital institutions. I know there was like some hazard pay and they gave us a ton of food. I mean, I gained weight, right? Yeah. So that was all great. But now let's just say COVID slowed down in the summer months and everything went back to normal and no one really talks about us. Maybe, you know, we don't implement any policies, even uh, nurse patient ratio. How mm -hmm. come that's not done? What's up with the lobbying money behind all that, that for example, Illinois tried to pass that a few years ago. It got shut down by the American Hospital Association, and they told them that hospitals can't afford nurses to have ratios. And that's that's mind blowing because remember when we looked into how much money the hospital that used to work for makes? It yeah. makes billions of dollars, and only about what like five percent of the total revenue was for nurses. So we basically because on a, on the internet it showed us how much this hospital makes in revenue and how much nurses it, it employs. So we basically did the math, multiplied the amount of nurses times the average nursing salary. And it only ended up being like 5% of the total hospital revenue. And it's mind blowing because people always say, Hey, there's not enough money for ratios, not enough money for this, not enough money for that. But somehow COVID happened and we had all this money. And then we started doing this math and saying, how is, how are you going to say that there's not enough money if only 5% of your total revenue is allocated to nurses? You know, of course there's other staff and other things to do in the hospital, but there's also these CEOs and presidents, the vice presidents that are getting paid millions and millions of dollars. So how, how does that make any kind of sense? And that's just like this crazy, it's just, this is where we bring up where we need to change something. Someone's got to change. These fundamentals are somewhere, somewhere flawed and someone has to step up and change it because it's not being done. It's being swept under the rug, yeah. you know? And I personally feel with the amount of things that are happening in our world, I don't think much will change unless people like us start getting together and acknowledging this problem, whether it's, multiple nursing podcasts or a few communities and we could get together to say something to our government because that's the only way things are going to be changed you know yeah. and like it takes even like small steps like you know maybe becoming a stem career might not do this drastic change but just being on that list might open up more eyes to, to nursing Innovation. you know yeah 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 and that kind of goes into the topic of you know our nurses being treated like professionals or labor jobs and working an hourly job, it kind of makes you feel like that you're just doing some kind of labor. Mm. I think what blew my mind the most is uh, this was three months ago, we were working in, in California. Uh, they're very strict on overtime, their double time and everything. You come to work trying to take care of a patient and they try to get you off the clock because if you go three minutes over, they're going to pay you double time. And God forbid, a nurse makes a little bit more money for taking care of a human being. Yeah. And th that bothers me so much where you want to do your job. And as a nurse, you came for this good compassion and I want to help people. And then you have the top management just pushing the business model, unfortunately. Yeah. And it makes, makes you lose your sense of power yeah. as a nurse. Yeah. What do you think, Tina? Do you think like, how, how could we make nursing be viewed as a more professional environment? Is it maybe, would it be a salary position be, be better? Like, what do you think on that? I do think that uh, having nurses come in and clock in and clock out, being paid hourly, um, it it you are sort of you think about other positions. Um, m most professions do not clock in and clock out. You're paid a salary, and might I ask? I mean, might I add that if you are whatever you're worth is what you should be paid. So if 
nurses are, will say something like, oh, well, I won't be able to work overtime. I, what if I want to work more? You should be paid what you're worth. So you shouldn't have to work overtime in order to make the amount of money that you should be making as a nurse. And what nurses are having to do is number one, they're, they are having to pick up extra shifts just to make the amount of money that you should be making, um, you know, in a year, yearly, on a yearly basis. So if you average it all out um, with the overtime that you're getting, the extra shifts that you're picking up, maybe you're, instead of making 60,000 a year, you're making 70 or 80,000 a year, depending on what state you live in. Mm -hmm. And so you shouldn't have to, if you're worth 80,000, you should be paid 80,000 for working a full-time job for working 40 hours a week, whatever that looks like. And if the hospital is desperate enough and they need more people to work other days, they will pay you a bonus. You can get paid a bonus, just like other salaried positions get paid bonuses for different things. Um, I do believe that it is important for nurses to, rather than be treated uh, like you're an hourly worker. I mean, you can't, there, I've, how many times have I heard nurses in this area where I am working right now saying I could go to a fast food place and get made and get paid more money and they can, unfortunately. Wow. And the, yeah, there are certain wow. certain areas. So I think fundamentally that nurses pay it just the whole thing needs to change like rather than look because they're also another thing that happens is nurses will go to registry or go to the float pool go to PRN status because they'll the hospitals will pay you 10 10, 15 dollars an hour more you know you go from making 26 dollars an hour to making 36 dollars an hour mm. and but guess what you don't get PTO you don't get sick time you don't get any kind of benefits you don't get insurance working in that situation i literally just had this conversation with someone who said oh i don't have insurance she needs she needs to have surgery she said oh, i don't have insurance and then someone was and it was a doctor <laughs> was talking to her and he goes why don't you have ins you work here and she said oh yeah but i'm prn i had to go prn in order to be able to make enough money to live Damn. so you see this is how we are treated we're not treated with the respect we're not treated like professionals that's ridiculous yeah. That's crazy. And on like the other spectrum, we can't do it to ourselves sometimes just because we went to, to nursing because you know, we're compassionate. We want to help people. And a lot of times we don't know how to help ourselves. And a lot of times we let people push us around because, hey, it's it's all in the best interest of the patient. Right. If I don't work this overtime, we might not have a, an, enough nurses to take care of this patient or we might have a nurse that's going to come float and not do a proper job. So we do this to ourselves. But I believe this whole salary situation would, it would be definitely very beneficial because not only can the hospital better gauge how much money they're going to spend on nurses because nurses are probably not going to be as inclined to pick up overtime, you, you could say, but I feel like it would push for better staffing because a lot of nurses, like you said, are reliant on picking up overtime to, to make a little bit more or, or make just enough for them to survive and live happily. So it's almost like we're being forced to work overtime because if you're telling me I can make like 60K regular work my hours, but I can make, you know, 70K, 80K by working extra overtime. People are going to be more inclined to work the overtime, but then you just, but in the long run, you're doing more harm than good. Instead of getting paid straight up that 70 right in between. Right. And then same with like, if I'm getting paid better, I'm more inclined to kind of do things for free almost, you, you could say, because I, I know I'm being, being um, like compensated fairly. Right. So I might be able to stay a few minutes after without, you know, telling anybody or telling a manager I might just do it just, just out of, just out of generosity, you know? Yeah. I'm also wondering, is there a corporate agenda for the healthcare system to not want staff nurses because of 401ks, all the benefits and all that? Why not just force nurses by not paying them enough of staff nurses into going into PRN travel nursing? Mm -hmm. Then the hospital doesn't have to fund all these nurses. And now it's just like a freelance company where nurses come, because I feel like travel nursing is almost like freelance. You come in there as a freelancer, you work, and then you leave, no strings attached. I feel like that's the business model they're going for almost because it's easier for the hospitals. Right. But that's just a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you get the insurance, health insurance, and a 401k from your travel agency compared to a nurse working PRN or you know as needed where she doesn't have anything. Yeah, she gets paid the, she gets paid more, and she has two or three PRN jobs. But guess what? Insurance is a lot more expensive if you're going solo compared to going through an employer. 
So yeah. are you really benefiting benefiting if your insurance is going to be more expensive? I mean, you might not necessarily be benefiting, you know, because you got to buy your own insurance, right? I'm guessing, or do you get it through, through your travel agency? Uh, so I, I have insurance through my husband, but okay. I work for Trusted Health. So mm. I'm, I'm actually an employee of they. I work for them. They have benefits. Um, I get sick time. I've, I'm mm. accruing sick time as I work. And then I can schedule myself to be off. And I just sort of build that in uh, because I basically make almost twice what I was making at the hospital that I, where I was working. So, um, you know, you can afford to build in some off time, you know, and have take yeah. a couple of weeks off before the next assignment. So it, it really is amazing. I really do. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It, it kind of makes you feel like you're, you are your own boss in a way, and mm -hmm. you didn't have that autonomy being a staff nurse. So we talk about all this about pros and cons of hourly salary. What was your reason for leaving staff, staff nursing? Was it this, you know, dichotomy of not being treated fairly as a staff nurse deserving more and you pursued a travel or was it just more about the time and place for you right now? Well, um, I was at the time right when I stopped working there or went to PRN and started working for, for trusted. Um, I was working weekend, what, what they call weekend registry. So I worked every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because it pays an additional $10 an hour. So, but you have to work almost every single weekend. You get very few exceptions to that. Mm -hmm. So I, it just hit me. Oh, and, and there is no benefit. There is no PTO. There is no sick time. If I couldn't be at work, I just wasn't at work. I just didn't get paid. Mm -hmm. So it does feel like kind of a slap in the face. It's like, um, oh, if you want to get paid and then it's not that much money, it's still not that much money. I still don't feel like it's what nurses should be getting paid. Yeah. Um, but you, it's like you, if we're going to pay you this much money, it's to them, it's, then you don't deserve any PTO or sick time or, mm. or insurance or whatever. So yeah, I did start kind of looking around and going, you mean I can make this much more and kind of be and it's nice because when you know go into another hospital and I don't know how it's going to be other places who knows but um I my personality I sort of just blend in and quiet at first and just sort of do my job and then slowly you sort of prove yourself as people kind of catch on and see see oh so you know how to do this and oh where do you work and and then they'll start asking questions and before you know it like I I just feel like i I can offer some, have something to offer them. You know, I can be helpful to them because, you know, they are in a more rural, small regional hospital where they don't get to see the types of patients, you know, that are at a larger hospital. And so occasionally something comes along and there's a port that they need to access and they've never seen that before. So wow. I know how to do that. I can do that. I can show you how to do that. Absolutely. You know, or a PCA pump or any, just things that we take for granted because we use them all the time. And if you're a nurse in a little hospital, all of a sudden doctor orders something like that, or someone comes along and you're just like, Oh, I've, I've never, cause look, there's a lot of new nurses in these little hospitals mm -hmm. because experienced nurses don't stick around very long because they don't, they're not getting treated well either. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it can be, it can be kind of fun, you know, to just go to different places and make, you know, make friends and I don't know, feel like you're making a difference and meeting different kinds of people. Yeah, exactly. Like, and plus your wide variety of skill sets, you could also not only help patients, but also the unit itself, or maybe see how they could implement things better. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so cool about travel nursing is you have that wide variety of experience, you could just showcase it to them, and kind of feel good about it. Yeah, and no commitment. Like that's, that's really, really, a really good thing, too. Because I love my home unit where I worked in, in Chicago. And you know, I, I left because just of higher pay, but it was a really good work experience. But I know some nurses, especially new grads, or even nurses that have, have like a year or two experience, they jump on in, in a unit. And you don't really understand the unit up until maybe like, I want to say a month or two months in, right. So sometimes staffers get, get stuck at a job that they don't like, because in the beginning, oh, it was all nice. It was good. Everyone's good, good communicating. But then you start to get to know people like, damn, this environment's pretty toxic. I wish I never started here. Travel nursing prevents that, you could say, because you're only going to be there for 13 weeks. So if you're two weeks in and, you know, your job sucks on a unit, well, guess what? You only have nine more weeks left and then you can never come back. Or if, if you're there two weeks, you have 11 more weeks to go. But you can never, never, you don't have to come back if you don't want to. So that's the beauty of it, too. It gives you that, that, that freedom. It's like Matt said, it's almost like your own boss. If you don't like a hospital, if you don't like a unit, 
you don't got to come there ever again. And there is, is times where people will cut their contract short just because it's so toxic. And that's okay to do too. Like if you're we're in a bad work environment or your license is in jeopardy or don't feel safe, like cut your travel nursing contract early. Don't, don't yeah. you know, risk your license over, over a job that you, that you don't like. Agreed. And I know you also have the Good Nurse, Bad Nurse podcast. How is your experience being a full-time nurse? I'm not sure if you have kids in a family, but that might be an extra load on you. And how do you juggle that? And what kind of sparks your interest into getting into podcasting? I, I just, uh, several years ago, I, I had been a nurse for about th- two or three years at that point. Mm. Um, and I, I, it kind of, I was feeling bad. I was kind of feeling um, guilty because there is a time right when I got kind of got off orientation and was working that I was very stressed out. And I honestly thought I made a mistake becoming a nurse. I was just like, you know, wow, this is so incredibly hard. I can't. And, and it hit me one day when I was walking, I tell the story all the time when I, I was walking down the hall and someone said to me, um, Tina, you live in the dream. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, <laughs> and he goes, well, you are, aren't you? And I was like, what are you, what? And he goes, didn't you dream of going like being a nurse? And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I did dream this. Oh, and, and it just hit me like, why, why did I dream this? Why I'm in a nightmare. And I was miserable and I kind of complained a lot. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, I can't believe how hard it is. I can't believe how people treat you. A lot of it was the way other nurses, uh, that whole interaction at handoff. I hated that time. I hated it so much. Um, it was so toxic. It was so, I just, just, I don't know. I felt, I left feeling like a horrible person because I'm, I beat myself up. I'm bad about doing that. I'm kind of a, a perfectionist, especially when it comes to my job. And I, one little thing. And I would just like think about it all night that I couldn't believe I did that or made that mistake or I didn't know that I was was supposed to know it. Well, a couple of years into it. And all of a sudden I just realized that I wasn't dreading going to work. I wasn't looking forward to going to work. I missed work when I wasn't there after, you know, for a few days. And I just was like, Oh my gosh, I, I like nursing. I love nursing. I love being a nurse. And I got so excited and then a little sad that I'm pretty sure I ran some people off. (laughs) <laughs> the profession because I was like run run as fast as you can don't do it you know so actually starting the podcast was my way of kind of getting my voice out there and telling new grads and nursing students like it's going to be hard at first for most people so if you stick it out you actually may love it and and I think that I help some people because I hear from people all the time that love it love hearing that sort of thing because they're like I'm so stressed out right now I feel that way so when I hear you say that it makes me think you know it's going to be okay it definitely takes it definitely takes some time for nursing to grow on you because you come out of nursing school you're a new grad super stressed don't know what to do freaking out and then you kind of then then you kind of progress into like the way you were feeling as in still kind of stressed, but more tired from the workload. And then, you know, workloads kind of gets, gets easier over time. And then a few years down the line, you realize, hey, nursing is an awesome profession. You're just kind of looking at it the wrong way. But yeah. I wish people would come to that realization sooner than, than later, but given the ratios and the work environment and the unit toxicity, sometimes it takes a little bit of time and takes a few tries to, to finally realize, hey, nursing, I actually enjoy nursing because there's definitely been some times in my life where I was like, why the hell did I become a nurse? Like, you know, this is like the, the, the fourth diarrhea that I'm cleaning up and I'm only like three hours into my shift. Yep. Like of all the things I could have done, I decided to wipe ass for a living, you know, yep. sometimes, <laughs> you, get the, sometimes you, get, you get that feeling, but then like you have really good moments of, of patients sharing stories with you and, you know, family coming in giving you recognition and, and all that. And then like your heart melts. You're just like, yeah, this feels good. This, this was worth it. You know, that shit I had a wipe last week. I'm over it. This week was a lot better. And I actually really like nursing, you know? It yeah. takes time. It definitely does. There's something exciting about nursing too. And every single day you wake up and you just don't know what the unknown is going to bring. It's almost like the, the universe in a way. Mm-hmm. Just you go to a shift and you just put on your poker face and you're ready to just take as much hits as you can. And I think that just develops um, grit and perseverance mm-hmm. to anything else you want to do in life. And that's why I feel like nursing is an awesome job where maybe you love medicine, but you don't love let's say you love helping people, but you don't love medicine necessarily when it's nursing, 
you could always branch off and try to take a different route and help people through your career and your experience, what you can do. With yeah. That. On, a, on a personal perspective, I think the unit makes or breaks nursing. I think the, the unit, like how cohesive that is and how well the, the communications and teamwork, I think that's probably the most important because you can have a, a high workload and a very stressful time. But if you have a good nursing team and a good nursing squad that, that helps you with stuff, it makes the day and the night go by so much better. And, and of course, we, we would ideally prefer less workloads and better patient ratios. But sometimes during those tough times, a good unit compensates for, 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 for the unit lacking the, the ratios and the, and the workload. Yeah. yeah. Not, not to mention also, I feel like older nurses, instead of being warming, uh, they give you kind of a warm welcoming. And this is how the unit is, this is how things are. They're very negative in a way too, and they're very pessimistic in their profession. So this whole nurses eat their young, it's also the, the way they kind of transfer onto the new people. They mm -hmm. kind of tell us like, hey, this, this job's gonna suck. Mm -hmm. and it's almost like your first day, you're putting your backpack in school, like, damn, it's gonna be a hard semester. You know, it's almost how like I see nursing as, because mm -hmm. they don't tell us the, the compassion part and how exciting it is, just mm -hmm. like you guys mentioned. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, recently physicians were switched from physician as assistants to associates. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just wondering what your guys' viewpoints are on that. One thing that I found interesting about COVID when I worked last year is uh, in the ICU, we had nurses that were helping us bring supplies and they were called nurse, they were called runners at first. So we use runners as a term. And I think six months into it, they got offended that we're using that word and we had to switch to nurse extenders. I, I personally didn't think of anything. We're still a team. We're still doing nursing together. We're helping patients at the end of the day. But that was a little bit of a, a thing. I remember on the unit that they didn't like to be called mm -hmm. that way. I remember that as well. So what are your thoughts about that change from assistant to associate? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think there is a lot in a name, you know, and, and um, it can make you feel, you know, a certain kind of way, you know, to be called, be just referred to as, you know, a runner or, um, and so, I think that if people are speaking up and saying, okay, this is kind of making me feel like I'm not respected. I think we should respect that. And, you know, it's not hard to change a name. So mm -hmm. if it, if it helps someone to feel more included and more respected, and it kind of helps them feel more part of the team, you know, like they're not just, you know, a pair of legs that can run around. Um, I think that it, it's an easy fix, you know, to help, uh, help a part of the team to feel better about themselves. And, you know, that's so, that's so easy. Like just do it, you know, change it. Um, the physician assistant thing, I totally get it. I really do. I think, um, that PAs definitely have, have struggled over the years with a, just a lack of understanding of what their role is. And they're part of that probably is in the name physician assistant. It sounds like an assistant to the physician and as opposed to what they are or a physician's assistant is what um, a lot of people will say a physician's assistant as if they are the physician's assistant and as opposed to their actual role and that is a provider you know a an actual provider of medicine that can prescribe and diagnose and, and a part of the medical team um, so I if that makes them feel like they are more respected and like it helps to explain to the world better what they do and what their role is. And I say that's great, great for them. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm on, I'm on the same boat with you. Like to me, I don't get very attached to names, but if it makes somebody feel better to be called, you know, physician associate, physician assistant, more power to them. Like you said, it's, a, it's an easy fix, right? Yeah. It's an easy, easy fix in society. And the whole like nurse practitioner route, I feel like maybe you could come up with a better name for nurse practitioner. I feel like when you say nurse practitioner, to people that aren't in medicine or, or aren't in, in nursing, they view nurse practitioner as like maybe a title a little bit higher than a nurse, but a nurse practitioner can technically practice on her own as well. I'm not yeah. sure how, how you feel to toward a physician. Yeah. Fellowship. I'm not sure you, you feel toward, towards that name, physician assistant or not physician assistant, but nurse practitioner. I think that that's another one that's very mm. controversial. I, I think that nurse practitioner is an unfortunate uh, term and a, a title for them because like you said it almost seems like just an extension of nursing and you can go do you know you can be a nurse practitioner and never have stepped a day on the floor as a nurse you can 
never even, you can be a nurse practitioner without even having an, an RN, which is oh, wow. interesting. Cool. Cause I have yeah. a friend who's a EMT um, paramedic, sorry, she was a paramedic and she went for, with her from being a paramedic to be an, an NP. So I, I do think that, that having the, the word nurse in there kind of throws some patients maybe, mm. and maybe patients are thinking, well, you're just a nurse. You're not, how, why are you diagnosing me and prescribing me medications? Um, also, I think there's a little confusion, a confusion with some people as far as like LPNs versus, mm, you know, because licensed yeah. practical nurse is very close to nurse practitioner. Mm. And so, you know, I just, it is confusing. I don't, I think that there's uh, maybe some room there to talk about whether or not, and I'm not a nurse practitioner and don't want to be, but I'm an advocate for them. I, I went to the, uh, to Congress a, a little over a year and a half ago before COVID and uh, talked to my Senator and Congress people about um, full practice authority in the state of Tennessee because nurse practitioners do not have full practice authority in the state of Tennessee. Wow. They have a it's very they have a lot, but they it's not full. So they they do have to have a physician overseeing their practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think there's something to be to be said for it myself. Yeah, because for sure because I had a few patients that that because I worked in like a heart failure unit. And there's a few times where I overheard a patient say to a nurse practitioner saying that I want to speak to my doctor, just a nurse, you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And nurse practitioner, nurse practitioner like, like you've been coming to my heart failure clinic every, every month basically. And now, you know, you don't value my opinion and you want to see the doctor. Like a lot of, I feel like a lot of people in society don't understand the difference between nurse practitioner, LPM, LPN and, and an RN. I feel like it, they just think it's just like one thing where one maybe has a little more power than, than the other. But like you said, you know, we're not nurse practitioners. If nurse practitioners are okay with them being called nurse practitioners, I'm, I'm okay with it too. But if they want to push for something else, like I'm completely open to it because a nurse practitioner could, could do a lot. Only thing, I think the difference between like an NP and a PA is, is what? I think surgery is the main difference, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that I don't know. I'm not sure if you know, uh, Tina or not, the main difference is between an NP and a PA. Uh, it depends uh, on the state. Yeah, it's a, it varies state to state, yeah. but um, some states... Yeah, so nurse practitioners can do some surgical procedures, um, and some states they can literally work completely autonom- autonomously. You know, they they can, don't have to have the oversight of a physician. They can o- open their own clinic and and yeah. practice. You know, medicine. I just think that there's a misunderstanding of what they do and their level of education. Now, one thing I will say, I there is some concern that there should be required residency. So that is, that could be a problem. If you have a, for example, I have a friend who went through and got her bachelor degree um, in nursing, never stepped a day on the floor and went straight into nurse practitioner school and got her FNP and just started working as a nurse practitioner. When I, you know, working as a nurse myself, without having the the clinical experience that I have, there's so much that I would not know. And those two years of nurse practitioner school, I'm not sure equal what you need to be able to really understand at the cellular level to be able to diagnose and really, you know, know your job really well. So I feel like there needs to be a really good residency program for uh, requirements for, for PAs and nurse practitioners to make sure they're getting that that experience, you know, with another nurse practitioner, I don't think they have to be under a physician. They're totally experienced. There are plenty of experienced nurse practitioners and PAs who could run a, a physicians under the table with their knowledge yeah. and, and their level, you know, their, their skill and, and their experience. But that it just, it all, it all depends on how much they've invested, you know, and so. Yeah, definitely. Like for professions, that wants to be viewed more as like professionals, you could say there's a, the big proponent to this or big component to this is definitely the clinical side and education side, because if you're going to push for a more professional look on yourself and you know, your title, you have to make sure that everybody gets proper education, right? Cause that's going to be detrimental. If you're going to try and push for 
hey, let's try to change this, this NP name to something different or let's try to be, be looked at as more professionals and you have a lack of education and a clinical background, that just, that just decreases your validity to, to being more professional. You know, it's, it's, it's very important. If you want to be considered more professional, then the school component has to be there because there can't be, there can't be a difference. It can't be a big difference from one school to another, where if you go to one school, you get a better education, better clinical experience, and you know more compared to another university, right? If you have a giant gap in education like that, no one's ever going to view a professional more professionally because there's this giant gap and there's no, no standard. there's no standard, right? It has to be held to a, to a, to a certain level. And then we could all, all push for this, right? Cause if, like you said, if for NP school, you don't have much clinical experience and you haven't been a nurse, then how are you going to really truly be able to diagnose somebody if you're not as prepared as say the PA or even the, a nurse that has that, or even an NP that it's been to nursing school and has worked as a nurse for, for two years. I know majority of nurses do try to work like two years somewhere just to gain that background, but not everybody does. Like I, I do know a nurse that went like, like you went basically from nursing school to an NP. Like she never did any kind of work as a nurse, yeah, no. just, just went through school. And you know, that, that, that shows, that shows when they interact with, with patients, that shows when they kind of critically think certain situations because they haven't experienced that stressful situation in a hospital or stressful situation um, working at a clinic somewhere because they've never been through it. And it, it shows. I think a good example is the CRNA programs. They're all standardized now. Mm -hmm. uh, some of people still got grandfathered grandfathered in for the master's degree but a lot of it is doctorate yeah so now it's as a profession it's standard you're almost you know you're pr pr uh, practicing anesthesia and it's it just shows how it mm. looks right in a yeah. way 100 yeah. yeah so you know we enjoyed this conversation we're kind of approaching our time here thank you for being with us here for your time and if anybody wants to listen to Tina, check her out. She actually has a podcast called the good nurse, bad nurse podcast. It's on Spotify and Apple and all the good platforms. And she's also on Instagram, good nurse, bad nurse, and on Facebook and on Twitter, GNBN podcast. And she also has a website, good nurse, bad nurse.com. Thank you, Tina, for your time. We'll see you next time. Thank you so Thank much. You.